Grace is all about Jesus. It's all about God. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about God. And then when we cry grace, and we add faith to that, then what happens is one voice comes back to us. It's called the Word of God. There is healing in His voice, in His Word. There is healing in His proclamations to you and me. And what we must understand, what we must realize, is that when you and I speak with that one voice, even though as Pastor Dan said, that a voice comes over here and says, this is going to work. You're going to be on insulin. You're going to do this. You're going to be on this pill, that pill, because this is a disease that you must accept. That's a lie from the pit of hell. Grace, when we cry out grace, that is enveloped with our belief, not in how good we are, not in what we do, but in how great our God is. And how good his works are. Because there's only one good, and that is God. Amen. So can you follow me and let's be one voice. And let's cry the word grace. Can we do that? I'm just going to count it out too. We're just, we're just going to be a team here. College football has started. So we're going to be a team here. And I'm going to go one, two, three. And after that, shout out grace. One, two, three. Grace! That is the workings of God. You are healed. Now I'm going to ask one more thing. Uh, When I was in my office this morning, uh, the Holy Spirit said, I want you to ask the congregation to do this. And I said, Holy Spirit, you know how some people might think. And you know what? And he said, that's okay. All right, so here it is. If you're comfortable with this, the term that's used today, if you're comfortable with this, join the hands of those that are next to you. not only one voice, we're one body. We move and we think and our culture is the same. What is our culture? I'm not talking about ethnicity. I'm not talking about this. I am talking about the culture of grace and faith. The culture of belief that we are a faith people. And there are my, our brothers and sisters that have sickness and disease that have attacked their bodies. What we need to do as a whole family, cry grace and one voice for our brothers and sisters and say, we believe for you also. So in Jesus' name, as we have joined hands together, in Jesus' name, we are whole. In Jesus' name, we hear the voice of God. There is no confusion to them that are the called, those that love the Lord 
and have a belief that Jesus Christ is Lord. Today, Holy Spirit, guide us and lead us. Open our eyes, our ears, our heart, our soul. We cry out from our soul, our mind, our will and emotions to just absolutely move in this culture of grace and faith. Bodies light up to the word of God. In Jesus' name, behold. Amen. Let's give the Lord an applause. Hallelujah. Before you're seated, let me speak to the folks online. Today's the day for you. you. You don't feel this presence just permeating because of a large group of people. But I want you to understand God's presence is with you the very same because you are agreeing with us. You may not have felt the, the emotion of the music and the, the leading of the music, but I want you to understand that God is there and then you cry grace and you believe Jesus Christ is your Lord and your healer. And by Jesus' stripes, you are healed. Do you agree with that, church? Amen. Well, before you are seated, just high-five someone and you may be seated. And if you are at home, high-five your cat or your dog and you'd be fine. Well, I am excited because next week we begin our Bible study, as Pastor Dan said, but I want to remind you that on the 24th of September at 6 p.m., which is our Bible studies on Sunday evening, at 6 p.m., we begin a new culture, a culture of Bible study, a culture that says that I don't line up my schedule of church with all my business, busyness outside of church, but I line up church as priority over all of my busyness. That I decide in my life that the word of God and growing in God, that culture will absolutely overwhelm me. See, that's why we, three months out of the year, every quarter we take a month off, Why is that? Because we believe in family. We believe in you spending time with your personal family in your home, just having fun, playing games. Man, I'll tell you what, yesterday I went to my grandson's birthday party and we played Mario, man. I mean, it's just like, remember the old we? All right, we're doing that and, and that was fun. I had six grandchildren tell me how to do it. And it was awesome. But we want family. We want you to understand that it is a part we believe as a whole. You know, the old religious tradition is that, you know, just church, 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 but it doesn't change your life. We want you to be changed by the grace of God, believing in that, walking in understanding, and growing in the Lord so that it changes not only church, it changes your personal life, your family, your friends, your neighborhood, where you work, everywhere you go, there's an anointing on you that changes people. And then you say, come and enjoy what I have 
in my church home, Valley Community Church. So we're going to, on the 24th, begin a series on Jurassic Earth. We will speak of everything that's involved in creation and the recreation of this beautiful planet that we live on. Now, what is the story behind Genesis 1-2 speaks of the earth without form and void? Proof of the ice age. God blocked the, the light and things froze. The Bible tells us that it became dark. It froze. Dinosaurs, angels, demons, pre-Adamic man, how this earth was returned back and changed, molded and reshaped so that you and I could inhabit and walk in the authority of God and see the blessings of the Lord of the new covenant manifest in all of our lives. So I want to pray that today we're going to talk about the immutability of God, and I'll explain to you what that means. Because we're continuing on living a grace-filled life. Father, thank you for the word, Lord, Holy Spirit. Without you, I am nothing. Without you, I cannot bring any wisdom, any knowledge or wisdom, because all knowledge and wisdom comes from you. And so I pray, maybe even selfishly for myself today, that I would be able to absolutely speak the oracles of God to this beautiful people here, all those that are watching online. In Jesus' name, open our hearts, our ears, our minds. Let us see, not only physically, but spiritually, what grace does. And we give you honor for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You ready? All right, let's go. The word immutability refers to the unchangeableness of God, or literally, he cannot change, or the impossibility of God to change. Now, you know the word mutation comes from this word. It means an ability to change, like teenage ninja, mutant turtles those things. Immutability is the inability to change. And God has an inability to change. Now, I know you know this, but let me just say this to you. Because God can't change, <laughs> it's a really good thing. It's a really good thing, and we're, we're finding out before, we're going to just touch on a little bit what we talked about, but as we continue in this series on living a grace-filled life, we're going to learn more about grace and what it does in our life. So God can't change because he's perfect. God is perfect and has no need to change. I want you to look at it that way. God doesn't need to change. My question to you, who does need to change? So 
here are some scriptures uh, that uh, I base this theology or the theology of the immutability of God. Numbers 23, 19 says, God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. Now, repent means doing a 180, or in other words, changing. Has he said, and will he not do? Or has he spoken, and will he not make it good? So in other words, what he said, he will do. 1 Samuel 15, 29. And also the strength of Israel will not lie nor relent or repent, for he is not a man that he should relent. Malachi 3, 6. For I am the Lord, I do not change. Therefore, you are not consumed, O sons of Jacob. Now, I just want to just let you know on that, what he basically said, you're lucky, because if God changed, he'd he'd tear you up a new one. That's basically what it's saying here. Titus 1-2, in hope of eternal life, which God, who cannot lie, promised before time began. It began before you and I ever were created. So again, I began this series with a very generic message on what grace is, because grace is so vast, that's why it's taking us quite a few weeks to talk about some of it. But grace gets confused a lot in church, in the body of Christ, because many are confused of what grace does, because what we do, not understanding grace and belief, grace and faith, we have a tendency to do it ourselves And if you're not this way, but man, I've messed things up when I try to do things. When I try to do a battle in the spiritual realm on my own, man, I mess up. And so I've had to really understand and change my mind on really what it means to walk in the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. The foundation of it is believing in the grace of God. So grace, what it is, is the key. Grace is the pure, undefiled, unmerited, unearned, undeserved favor of God toward sinful people. Not towards people who think they do everything good towards sinful people. The Bible says, for by by grace are you saved through faith, not of your works. All right, so now we're going to get a little bit more theological. I'm gonna get a little bit more deep. We do a lot more of that on Sunday evening. But we're gonna look into the book of Hebrews now. And if any of you know, when you start reading the book of Hebrews, Uh, You go, whoa, what is that saying? So I'm going to help you the next few uh, times together. I'm going to help you understand theological terms. I'm going to help you understand the process, what God's plan was. And basically, all of Hebrews is talking about grace. So let me give you just a little background of the book. 
we have, or I have in my opinion, that it was written by Paul, that some don't believe it was Paul, uh, because it doesn't begin like a Pauline epistle, the way it's written, the type of language that is used and everything, but it ends like what Paul would write. So the last chapter, chapter sounds a lot like Paul, but many chapters don't sound like him. So some would say, well, maybe a group of people is a group right. Well, I believe it was Paul, but I also believe that Paul was writing for a specific purpose, the book of Hebrews. He was, uh, the book of Hebrews was written, listen closely, this is going to shock you, it was written to the Hebrews, the Hebrew people. It was written to tell Hebrews, if they don't quit acting like Hebrews, they would always be only Hebrews. Because God has done a new thing. Now, it was written to people who knew the law. Well, let me just say this to you, because this is where a lot of confusion comes. They knew the Mosaic law. The Mosaic law is, is the law that was given to Moses. And he gave it to the people of God, Israel. So they knew the Mosaic law because of this. The writer begins with a foundation many Gentiles at the time frame don't have. So let me help you understand some of the writings. In Hebrews 6, 13 through 19, if you want to turn to that, Hebrews chapter 6, we're going to read verse 13 through 19. Uh, we're going to pick up from last week. Remember, the kind of the theme last week was God says, I came to bless you, speaking to Abraham, and Abraham believed. And so because of the belief, then God took sin out of Abraham's account, and then he put righteousness into his account. And we understand the gospel of Jesus Christ is that at the cross, God put our sin upon him the one who lived the perfect life, and he paid that price. And he rose again, and he paid the debt for your and my sin. Because remember, we don't go to hell because of sin. We go to hell because of, of unbelief in the work of Jesus. Because when you begin to understand grace and faith and righteousness and justification, what we've talked about already, then you begin to understand of, of who you are in Christ. And even though at times you sin, 1 John 1, 9 gives us the out of that. He says this to the Christian. He says, if you sin, God is faithful and just to forgive you of your sin if you would just repent, if you would tell him, I'm sorry that I did that. Because sin had already been forgiven at the cross. So verse 13 says, For when God made a promise to Abraham, but because he could swear by no one greater, oh, we're going to have fun with this, he swore by himself. It doesn't say that he cussed. He swore. In other words, okay, never mind. You go. Verse 14, saying, Surely blessing I will bless you, and multiplying I will multiply you. 
This is God's heart. This is what grace does through faith. And so, after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. Sometimes it doesn't happen overnight, but it happens because of faith. For men indeed swear by the greater, in other words, in the time frame of the day, uh, people would give an oath. And when they'd give an oath, they would swear by someone who is greater than them. For men indeed swear by the greater, and an oath for confirmation is for them an end of all dispute. It brings them into agreement. Thus God, determining to show more abundantly to the heirs of promise, I'm going to show you in a little bit who are the heirs of promise, basically are those in faith, but we're going to show you a little bit more on that. To the heirs of promise, the immutability of his counsel. God's counsel, God's word never changes. That's the unchangeableness of his counsel. God does not change. We got to get it because it's good. Let's continue. Confirmed it by an oath that by two immutable things two unchangeable things. Now he talks about two things that are unchangeable, or let me just say it this way, and I'll repeat this in a little bit. They, they are attributes of God. Because God is who he is, the attributes, he will have these two plus many more, but this is what I believe Paul is talking about to the Hebrews in which it is impossible for God to lie, we might have strong consolation who have fled for a refuge to lay hold of hope set before us. This hope we have, God not being able to change, cannot lie, as an anchor of our soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enters the presence behind the veil. Relationship with God. You and I being able to have a confidence in the midst of all Hades breaking loose in your life, you have a confidence that God will not change and by grace through faith, he'll see you through. And you'll have victory. So this hope that we have is based on God can't change and God cannot lie. These are two attributes of God. Now, it says the anchors are of our soul. Our soul is our mind, will, and emotions. It's about our emotions and our feelings. That is the battle in your and my life, our emotions and feelings. What you're thinking and what you are feeling right now. So the question is, I'm getting you to this place now. What happens if you're going through a rough storm? What happens when you're going through a storm in your life? Some of you are going through it right now. If you understand that if God can't change, then you have an anchor in that storm. Our soul, your mind, will, and emotions, this is what the writer, I'll say, personally, 
what Paul is saying. All right? The Greek word for the word immutable is two times stated in the Bible, and both are in Hebrews 6. Very important. Very important that you understand that. He's trying to speak to Hebrews who understand the Mosaic law, and now we are living by grace now after the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It doesn't, he fulfilled the law. He didn't get rid of the law. We still should live good lives, all right? But there is a covenant that's by grace, grace through faith that what Paul is bringing them to. So God says, again, Abraham, I didn't come to judge you. Remember last week? I didn't come to condemn you. I came to bless you. And remember, after that, he believed, and then Abraham really messed up in his life still. Even though believing in God but it didn't change God's mind of blessing Abraham. But Abraham learned and repented of his life. So we're not talking about, grace is not talking about, well, whatever you do, God just loves you. Of course he loves you. He's love. He can't change. He can't change, not, you know, not loving you. See, that's what I'm saying. It's so good that we understand in grace that God cannot change but we change. We change in the reality we no longer live in sin. And if we sin, we confess that sin to Christ. So that's what happens is God has changed this. It wasn't because the first thing didn't work. He changed it because it was already his plan from the beginning, Ephesians chapter 1 says. So Abraham then believes, then righteousness was put in his account, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And that's what happens to you and me when we believed. That's what grace does. All right? So in Judaism, the culture is when you make an oath, you must swear to the oath by someone greater than you. For instance, let me give you an example. You've seen there are people, you know, people put their hand on the Bible and swear to tell the whole truth and nothing but the truth, so help me God. All right? What were they doing? They were swearing by someone greater than themselves, who was God, who was all truth. That's where that came from. You know, people, if, you, if we really understand 95% of the things that go on in our country has come from scriptural principles. And we have to realize that, and we need to stop attacking uh, the things that our country has been founded upon. It wasn't founded upon slavery. It was founded upon the principles of God's word. Slavery was wrong. It was not God's plan. We have to get out of the deception that the world is trying to bring even into the church. 
We are swearing by someone greater than us, God, and that comes from Judaism. Now, this is God in the Scripture making an oath. And Hebrews tells us, he says, Abraham, this is God talking, on the way over here to swear an oath to you, I couldn't think of anyone greater than I am. So God says, I'm going to swear to you, Abraham, on my name. And because of that, there's an oath in our salvation that God swears to himself that he will tell the truth, (laughs) the whole truth, because he is the truth, and he will not change. And when he says, I will lead you, I will guide you, I will heal you, I will prosper you, I will do all these things, what he is saying to you and what he's saying to me is, I swear to myself, and there's no one greater. And I will not change and I will not lie. So when the enemy comes to you and you've prayed and you're still facing the battle, don't you dare believe God's changed his mind. He doesn't change his mind. So let this sink deep. Would it be all right with you if God swore to you I swear to you on my name, I will bless you. Anybody get happy about that? Yeah, but you you got to stay humble. Oh, you know what? When I say, I hear people say, I say, please stop. Because Scripture already tells you all your works are as a filthy rags. So to believe what God said and believe that God will prosper you and believe that God will do the things when you walk in righteousness and all the things that he gives us, for you to believe he's going to do that and confess that and talk about it and live that way and secure your heart, your mind, your emotions in all these things, then I promise you, God doesn't change. We've got to get this because the deception of religion and the deception of life can just tear you up and make you be a person, watch this, of doubt and unbelief. So he also said two things cannot change, Hebrews 6, 17 And the New American Standard says it this way. In the same way, God desiring even more to show, excuse me, to the heirs of the promise, the unchangeableness of his purpose. So this is talking about his purpose for your life. Well, you know, I messed up and I've been terrible when I was younger and I know God, he can't use me. Let me just tell you, God already planned your purpose before you even breathed your first breath. And he doesn't change. So no matter where you've been, mistakes you've made, sin you've walked in, God's purpose for you does not change. And you can do this thing. But you know how it happens? Is you have one voice. That every aspect of your life, 
you're speaking the same thing. What? The truth of who God is. All right, let's go on. Yep, Gary, this is good stuff. Let's keep going. So the question is, who are the heirs of promise? The answer is found in Romans chapter 4, verse 13 and 14. For the promise that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, the Mosaic law, but through the righteousness of faith. For by by grace are you saved through faith. For if those who are of the law are heirs, faith is made void and the promise made of no effect. So whatever God says may, may happen or may not happen. Whatever God decides, he's already decided. It's his word. He says, the same way I made an oath like the covenant of Abraham This is the new covenant. I swear to you, making an oath, and let me remind you, I cannot lie. So you really, again, as I've said three times already, you need to really catch this. Because it will transform you, even though you've known the Lord for 50 years. So again, let me ask you, what are the two unchangeable things? Now, the two things we base our hope on is God can't change and he can't lie. In other words, in Hebrews, it's telling us this is the attribute of God and it's refined or it's talked about in Hebrews chapter 6 through Hebrews chapter 10. But because of time, we're not going to cover that, but you can read that later. So the two it's talking about is... What grace does, all right? God's non-changing and he can't lie. So here's the first one. Jesus is our high priest forever. Some of you say, oh, what's that mean? Well, thank you for asking that question. Let's go. Let me show you. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19 and 20 says this. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul both sure and steadfast, and notice this, the presence behind the veil. Remember the veil that was ripped? Where the forerunner has entered for us, even Jesus, he's the presence behind the veil, Jesus Christ, having become high priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek order of the high priest. Hebrews 7, 17. For he testifies, you are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. All right, follow. Now Hebrews 7, 23. Also, there were many priests. (laughs) This is kind of talking about life, okay? Also, there were many priests because they were prevented by death from continuing. But he, that's Jesus, because he continues forever, has an unchangeable priesthood. Okay, I'll just say that. Uh, One day, 
I will be gone. And someone else will have to replace me through death. But Jesus Christ is alive eternally. Past, present, and future. And because of that, he is our high priest. We are saved, born again, sins forgiven forever. Why? Because we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Those that go to hell are those that did not believe that Jesus Christ was Lord. Because sometimes there are some Christians who believe in the Lord, but they struggle in life. And they sin as much as the unbeliever does. But that believer will go to heaven because he believes on the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's why in any time as a pastor is I don't look at people's lives based on what they do. I look at their lives if they believed. And if they haven't believed, I do everything I can to get them to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And that should be your life too. That should be what you do. It's constantly look. It's not about how good or how bad they are, how righteous they are. Remember we talked about Pastor Dan? Remember we talked about how he wasn't perfect? But he's still going to heaven because of the perfect one. Now, unchangeable, this word in the Greek is the only time it's in the Bible. That word unchangeable, it's the only time. Now, immutable uh, or unchangeable Mutable is twice and unchangeable is once in the Bible. And the reason is the words are so strong, there is no possibility to change the word. In other words, the language is so strong, there, there is no ability to change the word. And if it's changed, it lessens the word. It lessens the power of being not able to change. So there is no possibility that Jesus will not remain the high priest of those who believe in him. Jesus is your high priest. The other priests were stopped because they died and we had to get new ones. Jesus is alive forevermore, so you never have to get another high priest. There's nothing else you have to do for your salvation, but believe. He won't change and he won't lie. So let's look at uh, two of some of the greatest verses in the Bible. Hebrews 10, 11 and 12. And every priest, so the question is, how many priests? Every priest stands. Do they stand or sit? They stand. Ministering daily. How often? Daily they minister. And offering repeatedly. How often? Repeatedly. The same sacrifices. The same or different sacrifices. The same sacrifices. You're going to get what I'm doing here. So keep with me. Which can never... How about never or always? It says never take away sins. 
And every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifice, which can never take away sins. Verse 12. But this man, what man? This man, Jesus, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. It is finished. That's grace through faith. That's grace in action. The reason why Jesus sat down again is it's finished. So follow me. Jesus lived the perfect life. Only person that did. He died the perfect death. Perfect life, perfect sacrifice. It's done and he sat down. So God has done his part and today we do our part, we believe. Belief. What Jesus did for you. Now, and God can't change and he can't lie as our high priest. So here is another question that I want to ask you. Is Jesus your high priest when you have a bad week? It's not a trick question. (laughs) If you have a good week, is Jesus your high priest? Forever. The problem is, when we don't know the depth of God's immutability, our circumstances cause us to disbelieve. He's our high priest. High priest once a year went into the Holy of Holies and made the sacrifice. If he sinned, had sinned, he died. Jesus died for your sin. Here's a second. Jesus is our mediator, oh, there's that term, of the new covenant forever. Remember in Scripture, old covenant, new covenant. This will never change. Why? Because God never changes. There will never be another mediator. The new covenant, Jesus will be our mediator if we're in faith. Brings us into relationship with the Father. If you're born again, you have a relationship with the Father. Talk to him. Listen. There's a relationship. God is absolutely overwhelmed with just making this thing easy. He really is. Hebrews 8, 6 says this, but now he has obtained a more excellent ministry inasmuch as he is also mediator of a better covenant 
which was established on better promises. Better covenant on better promises. So let me say something. We are talking about the old covenant, not the Abrahamic covenant. Okay? We are talking about the Mosaic covenant here in Hebrews. The Abrahamic covenant was symbolic of the new covenant. I'll say that again. Because when we hear the old covenant, we're always Abraham, Abraham, Abraham. No, it was a symbolic of God showing what the new covenant, this is something new. Because Israel wasn't there when we met Abraham. Remember last week? He served other gods. He didn't know God. And God says, hey, I want to introduce myself to you. And I want to bless you. I didn't come to condemn you. I came to bless you and make a covenant with you. And Abraham believed. That is exactly the new covenant, symbolic of that. But here, when it's doing the difference, it's talking about the Mosaic, the law. Now again, God didn't get rid of the law. So the Abrahamic covenant was, a, was symbolic of the new covenant. Mosaic is the covenant given to the children of Israel through Moses when they came out of Egypt. So why is the new covenant better? Think about that. Because it can do something the old covenant couldn't do. It can cleanse your sin, not just cover your sin. All of it. Real quickly. Remember when when Jesus died and says, you know, three days he went into hell. But there was a compartment there called Abraham's bosom. That's where some religions get, you know, this next step and you got to pray out of, you know, all the different stuff to get into heaven. That's where they get it. But what happened is Jesus went there. Scripture tells us he took captivity captive and brought him to heaven. Because the Mosaic covenant, the law, and the belief in that and belief in God would cover over their sins so they'd be protected in a compartment of hell until Jesus came and in resurrection he brought all who were in the old covenant up to heaven. Matter of fact, Scripture tells us that there were even some that had already died that began walking around in the city. Now that's even better than Hollywood. Amen? Now I want to tell you, you know, and all this is in Scripture. We'll talk more about that on Sunday night. So it did something the old covenant couldn't do. It even cleanses your conscience so you don't serve God out of dead works. That's what he's talking about when walking in dead works is because the conscience is, is there's no trust or belief in what God did for you. You're try, just trying to make it happen. But there are good works because you are saved to good works. You're not doing it because you've got to fix something. God has already planned his purposes in your life. And what you do in your works, you save to do, do good works. And in that reality, oh, I'm, I'm getting excited here. I'm almost tripping over my tongue, as long as I don't trip over my legs and land on Mary. 
But the reality is, is we don't get that fully. Because our conscience, we question it. But even that same covenant, the blood of Jesus Christ, it will cleanse your mind. What is your mind? Mind, will, and emotions. And so there will be a healing in that area. When you fully get the work of grace through faith, you will have emotional healing if you have difficulty in that area. Depression is a name that must bow to grace through faith. And you must understand that God didn't plan this for you. It's satanic. Not that you're satanic. It is a satanic attack of the enemy to steal, kill, and destroy. And Jesus Christ has given you victory through grace by faith. A dead work is a work not initiated by God. Another definition uh, in reference to the new covenant is a, a work trying to earn the favor of God. You don't earn the favor of God. You believe and receive the favor of God. Hebrews 9.9, it was symbolic for the present time. Talks about the old covenant in which both gifts and sacrifices are offered, which cannot make him who perform the service perfect in regard to their conscience. It couldn't cleanse the conscience, the old covenant, Mosaic. Hebrews 9, 13 through 15. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer, sprinkling the unclean, sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh, How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? In other words, you will have breakthrough. And for this reason, he is the mediator of the new covenant by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions under the first covenant that those who are called may receive the promise of eternal inheritance. Hebrews 10, verse 1 and 2. For the law, having a shadow of, of the good things to come, and not the very image of the things, can never with these same sacrifices, which they offer continually, year by year, make those who approach perfect. For then would they not have ceased to be offered, For the worshipers, once purified, would have had no more consciousness of sins. And that's what God can do. I don't know if I can break this habit. Yes, you can. Because you understand grace through faith. That God has done it. He's given you the victory. You just got to know the victory, know what grace is, and believe it. And walk in it. Hallelujah. Now, in that passage, don't get hung up with the word perfect. Perfect is not talking about your performance. It's talking about your position in God. When you confess Jesus Christ as Lord, you are in absolute position as a son or a daughter of God. Bottom line. Jesus lived a perfect life, and we put our faith in him, 
Yes, we live a life that struggle. We struggle at times. We make wrong decisions at times, but you've got to understand grace teaches you and me to live righteously. Grace makes us clean in the sight of God. The blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. Now, it cleanses my consciousness. I wrote this down so I wouldn't forget to say this. So I'm not always thinking I have to do something to get God's favor and approval. I'm going to say it again. It's very important. It cleanses my consciousness so I'm not always thinking this. I have to do something to get God's favor and approval. How many of us struggle in our walk with God because we think we're not good enough for it? We think we have, you know, we're not like brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so. We can never, no, you can never attain what God purposed for them, but you sure can attain what God purposed for you. And you have to understand how amazing you are in the kingdom of God. You have to understand how amazing you are in this church. As a brother or sister, family, the anointing, the power that's in your life. What's in your home, in your neighborhood, in your business. All you marketplace people that own businesses, I want you to understand this and understand this strongly. You work and prosper because of the grace of God, the calling of God. You are out there in ministry in the marketplace, and it's your call to make sure that every person that works with you or for you hears the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you use the finances that God blesses you to further the kingdom of God in the church and outside the church. And we have to understand that. It's not about, you know, God's got to put a cloud in the sky and open it up and there he is looking at you smiling and tell you to give you a do- give a dollar to the church today. We walk in an anointing of giving in every area of our life. So we're talking about when you understand this, you will become emotionally healthy. So let me close with these few things. This is an example of God talking to me regarding what we just talked about. He says to me, Gary, I want to make a covenant with you. I want to provide for you. I'm going to forgive all your sins, and I'll be your God forever. And I'll say to God, Lord, what's my part? What do I do? And the Father says, Jesus, come on over here. A little quicker, Jesus. No, he didn't say that. How we are with our own kids. Jesus, this is Gary. Gary, this is Jesus. Hi, how are you? Nice to meet you. 
And then God says, Jesus is my son. And when he became a man, he went to the cross. He died for all the things you did wrong. See, this is the part we miss in grace. He not only died for you, Jesus already also lived for you. Listen very closely to what I'm going to say, and then, then I'll conclude. Church family, Jesus not only died for you in the life that he lived on this earth, he lived for you. He made the possibility and the anointing and the power for you to be able to live your life as he lived. That's grace. He not only died for you, took your sins upon him. In resurrection, he gave you victory, but he lived so that in your life, you can live this life that God has planned for you on this earth in wholeness, in victory. He also says, in this world. Now, let me ask you this. Did Jesus have any temptation or tribulation while he was on this earth? All points. He was tempted, the Bible tells us. So in that, he lived not allowing it to bring deception in his life. And because of that, you and I have the same ability. It's grace through belief. So when you say I'm a faith, which is belief, person, is that becoming extreme? No. That's what truth is. Amen. God said, I will call you, I will anoint you, I will give, it, give you everything. That's past tense. He already has for you to have victory. So God says, Gary, if you believe in Jesus, my son, you and I can enter into covenant with each other. I'll be your God, and you will be my son. I said to God when I was 17 years old, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he lived for me and he died for me. And now I am born again, washed in the blood of Jesus, walking in my purpose that God's given me with the anointing and ability to walk in it. Why? Because that's what grace does. And what you do is you believe. Let's all stand, please. So I entered in this relationship not because I brought something good. I entered into this relationship because he's good. And it is a gift of God. Remember, in everything that I said, God can't lie. So when someone tells you that something's opposite of the Word of God, that's a lie. 
God can't lie. So right here in my hand is one voice, the truth of God's word. And he'll never, ever change. Wow. Can we bow our hearts? Close our eyes, please. If you are here and maybe this day, you've come into this church and you, wow, look at these people. Wow, look what they, they do. They really look like they have something that I want. That something that you want is a relationship with God. And all you have to do, if you're watching online, is to believe in Jesus. And by grace, through faith, you will be saved. And then you'll go on a journey just like everyone else. <laughs> you'll, you'll have good weeks, you'll have bad weeks. As you grow in the Lord, you'll have, my famous word, gooder weeks. But we live in this earth, and the reason why we succeed is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him shall have everlasting life. And today you can do that. Watching online, today you can do that. I sense in my spirit there are many that are just, you're saying yes, and you're online. If you're here today, just meet someone up front and they will lead you into a prayer. You can do it right there where you're standing. But they can lead you into a prayer. And then you begin to fellowship with the body of Christ. And great victory will take place. Father, in Jesus' name, we conclude today with the word in our hearts. We serve a God of grace through faith. And he does not change. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you all. I love you. You're a blessing to me.